Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and I partner with our biggest publishers and agencies to bring you the most up-to-date experts and personalities in personal growth, development, and improvement so you can be in the know and growing into your fullest capacity. Me as well. This is my Functional Friday episode, and we're talking about recovery. Our very existence is only as good as our ability to recover. We love to hear about putting in big efforts, right? Whether it's on the sports field or in the office or even at home, but those big efforts deplete us. It's our recovery that allows us to come back for another big performance and hopefully a bigger performance. A great example is just working out to gain muscle. When you work out, you're tearing your muscles down. You're becoming weaker. Your willpower is as well. It's when you're in recovery mode that you actually grow stronger. And if you don't recover, you just stay down. So if you have times of feeling torn down and just worn down and it continues, then you're not recovering. I'm joined in this episode by my co-host, Randy James, medical doctor, functional medicine expert. And you're going to hear Dr. James change your paradigm by stating that our evening and our sleep is actually how we're starting our next day. It's really important paradigm shift on our recovery, how we prepare for our sleep, how long and how well our bottom line what are fueling our performance for the next day. All our output, which was the topic of our previous Functional Friday episode, is subject to our rest and recovery. Many of us are not recovering, and every day is just a dip lower in our ability, or we stagnated at a mediocre performance level. If we are taking out more than we're depositing, ultimately we're going to end up bankrupt, and that's when we're forced to rest via sickness and disease and disability. I believe you're going to find different information and perspectives on recovery and sleep than you've ever had and get clarity on what you can do to best support all the doing you desire in your life. Hey, if you find value from the self-helpful podcast, subscribe, leave a review about this episode and best of all, share what you learned with someone else. You can always find me at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Dr. Randy James and I talk about your recovery. All right, man. So to kick this thing off on sleep, the thing that I am curious about, or I'm concerned about is sleep. And we see articles about sleep. We're seeing all this information out there. And yet I, for one, am not thrilled about it. I mean, if we want to talk about like, you know, exercise and mountain biking, even some eating stuff or or forget that, let's just talk about vacations and, you know, the next big uh, movie or whatever. That's exciting. But sleep, I don't get to do anything. I'm unconscious. And uh, I, I mean, I grew up with a dad who said, man, I wish I just take a pill instead. Maybe I was programmed by that. But today I feel like I I have things I'd like to do, even if it's stay up late at night and watch a show or something like that for entertainment, which a lot of people do. Sleep is not an exciting topic for most people. Uh, Well, I'll I'll keep going along that with you. It has been called a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Why did God set it up that way? A third of our lives theoretically are spent asleep. Why? There's so many things that we could do profitably uh, in our families and in our businesses. And, and why do we have to sleep? And, and even I was thinking, I keep thinking about our phones. So everybody's got a smartphone these days for the most part. And you get irritated when it, oh my gosh, it's out of battery. It's about to die. I got to plug the stupid thing in. And <laughs> I feel like that with sleep. Oh my gosh, I, I, you know, I'm tired. I got to stupid go to sleep now. So I can, so as we're going to talk about the, the, the vital necessity and the power of sleep and all this stuff, I thought putting that out on the table right there, that this is not the, the, you know, if you, if you had a blockbuster movie on sleep, dude, nobody's going to come. No, nobody's going to buy this book. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not a topic I'm thrilled to talk about in essence. It's a nest to me. It's almost a necessary evil. Hmm. Well, I would say that's how I thought for a lot of years too. Okay. And I've certainly changed my tune for many reasons. Some of them spiritual, some of them, physiologic and and just overall recognizing that sleep is like you said it's a vital time it's not a time of nothing it is one of the most biologically active times of your day which that's antithetical to the way people think they think i'm sleeping i'm doing nothing and in reality and and we'll say this throughout the show it's it is the time 
of rebuilding, recuperating. It is the most, if you want to know what's the most anti-inflammatory thing I could do, that's it. No. Compared to taking extra curcumin or a Motrin or, or some odd supplement or you know, taking more vitamin C, it, it all pales in comparison to the, the value and the activity of what sleep is doing. Well, and so that's what we're going to talk about yeah. is the value and attributing that to, to the, the issues that we're all dealing with where we want to be better, we want to be healthier, we want to have more energy, we want to have more critical thinking skills, we, we want all these things that we're going to have to sleep even though it's not a thrilling thing. It's like the, the great meal. If I want a, uh, to have a, a great healthy meal the day before my mountain bike race, uh, I'm going to do that. And when I'm in my mountain bike race and I feel like, man, I have a second gear, I am flying. It's painless. It's great. I appreciate that good meal. But the day before during that good meal, I would have rather had a pizza with as much cheese as humanly possible on top of it, dipped in ranch dressing with a soda, actually no wine, <laughs> a, a good amount of wine. I mean, you know, so we're talking about a momentary issue, uh, right? Know. There's, there is a time and a place for that kind of a meal. Yeah, rare, it, but the more often, more consistent, habitual time and place for the better meal is. And and by the way, when you have that second gear on your mountain bike ride, mm-hmm. I'm going to guarantee you, you had a good night's sleep. If you didn't have a good night's sleep after to- that total, meal, <laughs> total, well, so I would add that in and the good night's sleep and the and the whatever. So you know, it's it's a future payoff, even if it's just the next day. So we're going to talk about more of the details of what the value is one and how to then get it, how to do that. But I do want to come back to what you came up with. Gosh, I don't know. It's been a couple months ago that reframed to some degree, reframed my perspective and increased my motivation. So, so there folks, I'll, I'll put that out to you. This is something that Randy told me, uh, and it did, it, it reframed my perspective, put sleep in a better light one well, and via that, it helped my motivation. Now, I'd still mm-hmm. rather, you know, write a book or watch a movie or play a game or do whatever. Going on. And there's a time and a place for that. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but day to day on the majority, mm-hmm. when you reframe that sleep is not just this thing that I have to do to recover from the end of the day, it is instead... It is the thing you get to do. You reframe your mindset to think... I get to start my day by fueling, by resting, by Sabbathing, by letting go. The world is not going to die without Kevin Miller for the next eight hours over the course of, of the night. Think of the traders, you know, Hong Kong markets open and the, the European market, it, it never, ever stops. Mm-hmm. And if you think that way, it, it, it will suck you dry. So we reframed our, our mindset to think, well, wait a minute, actually in many cultures and historically, the end of the day is sundown, which means that sundown is the start of the next day. But you and I grew up in a culture and and in fact, you know, this, this work ethic culture where, Hey, get things done. So much of that had to happen at night, studying for the next day's homework, mm-hmm. uh, getting things ready for the next day. And even now, we're still in the crush of, you know, get the kids fed, cleaned, homework ready, lunch is ready for the next day. And, and, and then uh, at the end of the day, we can fall into bed and recover from being overtired, overspent, overzealous for the passions of life. And then we fall into bed at the end of the day. And so you and I are saying, hey, if we can switch that around and say, well, wait a minute, tomorrow night, I'd like to not be overtired and overspent and over whatever. That starts with tonight, which is actually the start of that day. So let me just stick my head in there. And exactly like that pizza thing you did, you you chose. I'm going to choose to like and want this awesome meal Mm -hmm. because it prepares me for next day's race or whatever better. I am going to choose to like and want a 9 p.m. bedtime Mm -hmm. and to set, to rearrange my affairs after this truth that this is the beginning of the next day and I want a good next day. I want to be the kind of husband, father, worker, whatever. And so rather than collapsing into bed at the end of spending myself, restart the next 
thing, the next era of your life by saying, okay, I'm going to start tonight. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I chuckle because I'm not very successful at this yet. But in bed by 9, lights out by 9.30, and yeah. then I can get up the next morning, and I'm ready for it. Well, it's, it's budgeting. If you think about your family, yeah. for those with family, so it's budgeting. If you say, okay, I want to take my family on this great experience, vacation, you know, trip, whatever. I want to do this. And to be able to do this, I am going to have to save money. So instead of buying XYZ today or tomorrow, the next day, I'm going to squirrel away money. I'm going to save money. I'm budgeting that. It's not fun in the moment, but we know that there's a payoff there. So that's what you got me to thinking with this, that right now I would like to have, I would like to spend my time doing this. I'd like to stay up late. I'd like to do whatever, but man, if I am going to perform well for my family, for myself, if I don't have a family, if I'm going to do well in my job tomorrow, if I'm going to love people well, if I'm going to have patience, all these things, it starts today and I need to go to sleep, get enough sleep and get what we're going to talk about in a second, get quality sleep so that I can wake up. I am filled. I can know, go, I can now go out and you know hunt down and kill whatever. Uh, and that's just not the way that we have culturally framed it. We've got the world and the media saying, gonna, stay up, yeah. stay up, stay up. I was going to say that it, it, there's so much of a parallel between how we spend our money, how we spend our, our food, and we do it mindlessly. And that we, we, we've developed a habit of eating mindlessly, of spending our money mindlessly. Now, and, and if there's any one thing out there that is also a great example of this is people sleep mindlessly. It's the last thing on your time budget. I got to get everything else done. Okay. Okay. Now I can regretfully go to bed because there's other things I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, by that time, we all also say, gosh, I'm so tired. I really want to go to bed. There's, there's that feeling too. Uh, but that tends to come way after I want to get these things done or I want to enjoy myself by just relaxing with a rerun of Seinfeld or whatever. Yeah. And so switching that mindset over to the knowledge of the, the raw knowledge of, of, okay, you cannot be becoming the kind of person you want to be if the sleep is not there. No. That's the fact. So now how do we, well, how do we do it? And on this aspect, I know, I think there's a lot of guilt around it as well with parents, with, yeah. uh, you know, who, who want to take care of the family. They want to, they want to do whatever. If it's not entertainment they're seeking, they're, they're trying to get things done and it's the, the laundry or the bills or the, or the whatever. And the sleep almost feels, well, here I'll, I'll, I'll take it out of the point being, we need to put more value in it. So a guy named David, uh, Dave Meltzer, who I interviewed on my other podcast on the Ziegler show posted something just yesterday. He said, stop. He was talking about self-care and he said, stop calling it a sacrifice and start seeing it as an investment in yourself. Uh, and this guy's testimony really, uh, hit me well because he said most of his life he spent until just the right, I think it was like a, a year ago, two years ago. And it was, you know, family and work come first. That's his priorities in life, family and work, everything else himself, everything else came after that. And he finally had an epiphany. He says, Oh my gosh, I have to come first. And he, and in this sense, he said, my health, he said, my health now it has to come first. Cause if I do not have that, I am taking away from my family mm-hmm. and my work that makes total logical sense, but it's illogical to our culture and a different, yeah, just a paradigm yeah. shift. Right. It's, it's, it almost, even as you say that there's a little tinge of selfishness totally. there. Totally. And so that, that tension between what is selfish versus what is self care and you know, even scripturally, it, it, we are to look to the needs of others, but we are also to look to the needs of ourselves. We must. And we are to love others as we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a foreign concept throughout the history of the world to say, uh, to say that, that self-care needs to be there, but it's crept into our culture to say, oh, well, that's, you know, kind of selfish. You ought to spend yourself. Mm-hmm. And in fact... 
in the clinic, we've, we've said it often, that is probably the most common new patient is somebody who's highly intelligent, highly motivated. They're doing the right things. They don't smoke. They're not, they're not doing crazy stuff, but they hit 35, 45, 55, and they are out of gas. Mm-hmm. And they call it fatigue or depression or anxiety or I, they're, they're just not, I'm just not well. I just don't feel right. I, I'm going to say something that's probably unfair. Please forgive me and go with the analogy. And this is a slippery slope that we get of judgment on issues, you know, of, of what we're responsible for. But somebody they're talking about it was pol- political stuff, presidential stuff, talked about President Reagan. And somebody made a remark that he was known. And I, I don't I didn't I couldn't find this even. But let's go with the perspective. He was known for sleeping very little at night, like four hours of sleep a night. And the person then quipped and said, yeah. And then he got Alzheimer's and spent the past the last decade of his life in that state i don't want to be that now can we blame just you know sleep and and whatever or or, and we're not blaming him but if we look at our culture today who is sleep is worse which we're just about to dive into sleep is worse and why uh and we look at the ailments the stuff that you're treating people for and the increase in illness disease and all the different variants of that like alzheimer's like and you could name all the Mm -hmm. other pathologies and we come back sleep has got we know it is a primary aspect of that and so we are seeing a dramatic it feels like at least in our circles amount of content about sleep most of it is that getting more sleep And, and i know you've said there's hardly any of us who don't need more sleep but then, of course, we also, and I know you're real big now on tracking, well, what about the quality of the sleep? I'm not seeing a whole lot of information on that. Right. So I think our world is waking up to this, pun intended. Pun intended. Right, <laughs> and, uh, and I think where it came first, and I'll get to that quality, quantity issue, is, in, is actually in the sport world. And... Uh, probably most famously was Tom Brady, who now touts that how critical sleep has been for him. And and look at him. Look at his longevity and 40 years old or 41 or however old he is and still at the top of his game. Um, I also saw it in the cycling world where part of that recovery issue is and, and the, the phrase on one of our Runner's World magazines out on the out on the table and, and uh, one of the highlights on the title page was sleep the new cross training interesting so here's these guys and it's not just quantity quantity is big so tom brady famously is a nine hour plus guy like every night this is required Hmm. um and and just imagine that so here's a guy top of his game and he is spending that much time well i am not at the top of my game and yet my sleep is is way under that so so why would i sacrifice myself to that degree and I'm not even making a million dollars or whatever. Right. And so back to not only quantity, but quality. And so here, now, there's been just a huge amount of research in this field lately with, with sleep study or the sleep centers and, and much of that driven initially by uh, obstructive sleep apnea. And now, now once these, these um, centers started coming around and the data starts coming in, not only so sleep apnea, by the time you have which means not breathing, you've already been through years, if not decades, of disturbed sleep. And that's, so sleep apnea, we know there is a clear connection between heart disease and dementia and all these other kind of things. But what about the decades of disturbed sleep leading up to a a clear diagnosis? And, And yet here we are again, it's a microcosm of the American medical situation where we, we have a pathological diagnosis that then triggers a, a treatment or whatever else. But what led up to that over time before it got noticed, whether it's how much sugar you're eating or how much exercise you're not doing or how much sleep you're not getting, and does it have an impact on the, the, the pathologies that we call normal in terms of snoring and fatigue and, uh, and the long list of things? And of course it does. In fact, you and I have have debated about what could we call the pillars of health what are some of the just the main basic things and sleep rest has always been one of them let's talk about some of the the specifics on measurements you wear and this is not an ad for necessarily but 
uh, you wear an aura ring, O U R A. They're 250, 300 bucks. You wear a ring, and its primary purpose is to track sleep. I just recently started wearing just a Garmin uh, watch for my athletic adventures to track those, but it tracks sleep. I don't think it does to the degree there, but mine does show me. It's amazing to look at it every morning. I look at it every single morning. I hit the little sync button, and it does, and it shows me that I got seven hours and 15 minutes of sleep, or I got eight hours or whatever. And then it shows me of that. I had a couple times uh, a week ago or so, and it showed out of that, I got 56 minutes of deep. No one, no one night. It was 26 minutes, a seven hour plus night of sleep, 26 minutes of deep sleep. I mean, it's, that's terrible. As opposed to other nights, I had one within a week's time of that where I had almost four hours. It was my, my, my record. Three hours, you know, 54 minutes or something of deep sleep. Yours shows that to a greater level and then even gives you a score. Right. So I'm, I'm going to pop your bubble here, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, because that, that is kind of, I think that's the layman's analysis. And one of the reasons why on, on the medical side, the Garmin's and Fitbit's, and they don't claim to be medical data, the aura ring doesn't either, but it's making a play for that. Right. And, And so I think they are thinking down that pathway and, uh, I do think it's a, it's a great expenditure of funds. So, so one thing is you increase your awareness. We talk about that all the time. And every morning you click right. open and oh, I'm aware of I got better sleep or worse sleep, right. whatever. But how do you measure that? What are the measurements of quality of sleep? And this is, again, new data, new research. But in the past, people would have thought, oh, I need more deep sleep or REM sleep or this kind of sleep. That's the good thing. And, and so... What we now know is what's, if I asked you, well, what's better for you, deep sleep or light sleep? And you would say, well, deep sleep. Yeah, Yeah. it's got to be, it's set deep, just sounds more valuable. And here's the answer. That's kind of like saying, if you're right-handed, well, what's more valuable to you, your right hand or your left hand? And ultimately you might say, well, I'd kind of like to keep them both. They're really super valuable. And that's, that's how you think of the four stages of sleep. So we have, technically you've got, REM sleep and non-REM sleep. All right. And under non-REM sleep, you've got light, deep, and some you know, variations on that theme. So I would just think of that as four. And then if you look at, and here the aura ring does do a good job, and I, I haven't seen your printout, but if you have, when you fall asleep, so there's sleep latency, how long does it take to fall asleep? All right. And then generally, the first part of the night you will go right away to deep sleep. So as you're seeing the, you know, the non-REM stage one, two, three, four, and that, so, so stage um, three, I think, is the deep sleep. And so over the course of the proverbial eight-hour night, which is usually about seven hours of sleep, you would like to see each of those stages about 25%. Oh, okay. And each one is as critical as the other. Didn't know that. That and, and so this is a common, and this is why, like, as I've been watching my pattern over time, and I, and I hate to say this, but <laughs> alcohol, a single glass of wine will, will impact uh, sometimes the amount of deep sleep or whatever, and sometimes the timing of it. Like, if you're in deep sleep later on in the night, that's a mismatch of the timing. It ought to be, you go immediately to deep, and then there's a bouncing around, and you'll see an average or a theme of where the rim is and, and those kind of things. And so here we are. What is good sleep? It's not just one good night of 25% of each of, of spread throughout the night in a good way. And by the way, that's, that's what how each one of those is weighted, and you get a sleep score. But, and here's the hard part, is you need the day-in and day-out rhythm of that all the time. And I think in 2015, 16, or somewhere around in there, the the Nobel Prize was given to the guys who, you know, we've known about circadian rhythm, but what we didn't know is this is, this is attached to so many things, the rhythms of the, of the body. And so now again, and you can hear in my voice, the, the, the realization that Sleep is not just the absence of sight. It is so complex. And we haven't even talked about dreams or, you know, those kinds of things. And when that gets disturbed, you have to expect a consequence. It, It makes no sense to say, oh, gosh, I'm getting bad sleep. I hope something bad doesn't happen. That's kind of like saying, oh, my gosh, I just bought 10 things on my credit card. I hope it doesn't go to my bank. I hope I don't get a bill. That, that, that's exactly, you will, 
it, how long and what kind and those kind of things is not as clear as a credit card bill, but you will pay the piper. And in fact, we could say you are, you just don't know it yet. Well, and, and again, we're talking about performance. If, if nobody cares about their performance, they don't care about their energy level, they don't care about their brain cognition on a given day or in the future, then we don't care about this. Obviously, nobody's listening who is in that camp right now. So we are talking about if you want to increase your performance, if you want to be better, weller, as Dr. James would say, mm-hmm. uh, then this sleep, we're, we're elevating the value of it and talking about initially your relationship with it. And I love how you talk about that with everything. We have a relationship with everything in our life. We have a relationship with our our spouses or our, our kids or our friends. We have a relationship with our smartphones. We have a relationship with the TV at night, with our food. We have it. So what is your relationship with sleep? And I would say for the span, I'm 48 years old. And for the first 45 years or so, I, I, I wasn't even aware of it. Back to right. awareness. I, 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 or if you were, you, you disliked it. I just, it was well, a necessary I, I disliked it, which what a crappy thing to look at. This is the, the or a primary thing that's going to dictate my performance. And I went through my pro cycling. I mean, it, it, it's not that we didn't pay attention to you know, how long we were sleeping and we knew about recovery, but we did not elevate it to the degree that we should have that. I'm, I, I wish I had. I wish right. it would have been a different turnout in a lot of ways. So talking about you know, our relationship with it, but just from a tangible aspect, I feel like I want to dive into what are the things, cause you're in the clinic every day seeing people. And so if somebody won, I mean, obviously they've got to believe that there's a need for sleep and then they got to make the decision to do it, to go to bed, to even have the chance to get enough sleep and to get, well, let's start there to get enough sleep and to get, you know, quantity or quality sleep. But so what are some of the primary things that are wrecking it, that are messing it up. Cause there's a lot of people who say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to sleep and they commit and they go to sleep at nine or 10, nine 30 or 10 or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But what they think is a better appropriate time, they do that. But if they sit there and can't go to sleep or if they sit there and wake up 10 times, or if they're always well, at the lightest level of sleep, what, what, what if we talk about just the epidemic yeah. of insomnia today? Right. So it exists and people out there are like, yeah, I'd love to go to sleep, but I can't. And that, so when I'm asking the questions of people and, and of course, can, can I add in there? Can, can you do both of that? Because then we also have the people they over can't, here. They can't stay. Well, or, well, or they're saying I, I'm, I'm in bed for 14 hours and I wake oh, up exhausted yeah. which, I, and I still wake up tired. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is, that is, that is not efficient, effective sleep. I mean, you've probably just hit even of our listeners, I don't know, two thirds. I would are, say two thirds are in this camp of one of the other. I can't fall effectively. I can't stay asleep effectively, or I wake up tired. I did not no. sleep efficiently. <clears throat> two thirds, three fourths. I bet of people rarely do, do people hit. You know, they're thirty five to sixty five and say, "Oh man, I am dialed in." And so, okay, before we talk about you know what does good sleep look like, what does bad sleep look like, what what what's wrecking our sleep. Yeah. And not to, I mean, you and I are both in this. We both spent the first 45 years of our lives missing this. And, and so not to, you know, make people feel guilty or blame or, or things like that. But I would say, generally, your sleep is behaving exactly as you have taught it to over the decades. Yeah, wow. And I, I'm, I'm so, and here I am, and, and even tonight, okay, well, last night, you know, three nights a week we have soccer practice. And... And, and then by the time you get home and get to, it is so hard to get our kids in bed by nine. Mm-hmm. And that's where it starts. That's where it starts that we, the kids get osmosis with the indication that, hey, valuable stuff happens right here. And then, you know, then we, they want to do X, Y, Z and we have to say, no, don't do that. It's time to go to bed. And then it feels like bedtime is, is punishment or it's a bad thing. Yeah. And then along comes high school and, and then you've got grades that you want to have and anything exciting happens at night. Nothing in high school that is cool happens at 7 a.m. <laughs> no, no doubt. No, I mean, you, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about that. We are programmed from the beginning of time that sleep is terrible. Sleep go to, is go just, to bed. That's right. It's terrible. I mean, that's a punishment, right? It's a punishment. And, and, so, and then wow. comes college where finally there isn't this parental, get some sleep, go to bed. It's like, well, I'm not. <laughs> and I didn't either. It's like, hey, man. And then if you can, you sleep half the and then day. you sleep half the day yeah okay so now grant will come back about this teenagers literally will come back to this but they are built to need more sleep 
and they are and their circadian rhythms do shift over. So that 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 is a fact. So the school system is actually setting them up for failure down that pathway. There's no doubt. But anyway, we come over here to college and then and then what happens after you graduate from college? What do you do? Get a job. You get a job. When does work start? Early. <laughs> <laughs> There's no job that starts at 10 a.m. Uh-uh. So and then that's when it begins. And the, but the habit of going to bed late has been ingrained. And now and then and you know what? You're a 25 year old dude. You can handle it. And now starts the six hour nights, the six hour average. And there's data on that too. If we went back to the 1940s, 50s, and you asked Joe Schmo, who's 40 years old, how much sleep do you get? They would say, ah, you know, about eight hours or so. You go to the 70s and 80s, eh, you know, about seven hours. What do the people say today? Probably about six. Well, and I went through the time period, it feels like 20 years ago or so, of it felt like the thing that was touted was the high producing, super successful person on stage talking about, man, I have figured out how to only get four hours of sleep. And I'll never forget this one lady. She was a, a, a top agent in the publishing world and she was kicking butt and taking names. And that was her thing. Four hours of sleep. And you felt guilty. Felt, yeah, that's right. Well, and Ronald Reagan was, was yeah. one of those guys, you know, my gosh, I can never, how do I do that? And, and back then it was like, oh, well, at least I'm getting six, you know, felt almost, luxurious yeah and then of course i got crushed because in medical school and residency it's just whaled on you that you know if you're worth your stuff then you can do everything all night long okay and and that would i mean that'd be military doctors or whatever and who do i want trying to save my life or or do you want a well-rested doc i want a (laughs) well-rested doc i want a well-rested you know commando dude whatever i want somebody who's at the top of their game uh, not somebody who slept in the mud for an hour. Uh, That's, well, and then, and, and we, you know, where we live, and we've had a lot of, especially the special forces types, you know, where those guys also, it just gets drained out of you and trained out of you. They retire wrecked. And they retire wrecked. You hit your 40s and 50s and your body's like, all right, fine. We won't go to bed. Ever. And then you can't fall asleep. So here comes, you know, Johnny Carson. Here comes a little glass of wine. Here comes the quote-unquote night cap, right, to just take the edge off so I can fall asleep. And then about that time, you know, guys and prostates, here comes, you know, i got to get up and pee. And then here comes, uh, you know, kids along the way. So women, a lot of times, the sleep gets disrupted with the breastfeeding cycles. And then then we wonder when our 40s and 50s are, it's like we wonder, oh, now I can't sleep. Why? Well, goodness gracious, how could you, your body's just doing what you've taught it to do all these years, and now it's getting set in. Gosh, back to the relationship. Yeah, back to, that's right, you were unaware. You were abusing your relationship with this. It makes me think about the relationship I'm enabling my kids to have with sleep right now. <laughs> that's right. Which, we are. which I would say, and I could go on that, on, on sleep things that we did very well with our kids, and they do get good sleep, but still the fact that it's a negative, telling especially the little ones, uh, you know, go to bed. Oh, you know, whatever. It yeah, doesn't why matter. Why don't we say, oh, honey, you get to go to get bed, to go, which is what we feel sometimes. <laughs> I know. Oh my <laughs> gosh. But, that, but even for me, I get to go to bed a lot of times. It's not because I'm still, I have, I've created a good paradigm. It's just because I realize I am tired and I need to get up in the morning. So, okay, I, I get to go to bed. It's still not. I want to hit though. I do want to hit what are some of the primary things that are so with the best of, in, of, of, of endeavors. Okay. We, we get the message, Dr. Yep. James, get the message, going to go to bed uh, on time. So I'm, I'm going to commit and do it. And yet then we've got all the problems you talked about. What are some of the, I know it's very a myriad of complexity, but some of the top things, cause, cause I'm thinking about myself and I know food is a primary food and stress. My, my stress are a primary culprit, but I can eat certain foods and, and I go back to when I was until I feel, realized some things that I was insensitive to and tolerant of that, man, just wreck my sleep. Okay. Let's actually start at the top. Okay. I don't want to miss foods, but do you know what number one is? I don't. Screen? Screen. Really? More yep. so than food. More okay. so, I would say more so than food. Number one is going to be and your that, relationship with and screens. And, and, and again, you know, with the proliferation of smartphones and screens. Now, what TV uh, we've had forever. 70 it, years. It, it, now, that's right. We, well, and, but, and, okay. What we, what we had starting in the 70s, though, was Johnny Carson. 
Yeah. And here's the At funny ten thirty. Well, Central Time, but Central the guys on the East Coast were, you know, You're right. I, I never understood Monday Night Football. You know, ends at twelve midnight on the yeah. East Coast. Sometimes it's like East Coast, West Coast has a different kind of mindset. Be interesting. Are people on the East Coast more tired, more exhausted than the Californians? I, well. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I know when I lived in Hawaii, we were much more relaxed. Really? Well, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. well, okay, so screens. And then I would have a guy, you know, he's 40, and he's like, no way, man. There's no way. I've been watching Johnny Carson for 30 years. There's no way. And I never had problems with sleep. So how, how can you tell me that that's, that's exactly like the guy who says, no way, man. I have been smoking a pack a day for 30 years. I never once had cancer. Right. What do you mean that has anything to do with my kid? I'm not, that didn't bother me at all. It's the day. And now we're back to that rhythm. But is it, let me go ask, is it different though? So back when we were kids and if we're up late watching whatever Dukes of Hazard or the football game or Johnny Carson, or whatever, we've got a TV, an old, uh, you know, the, the, the bulbous screen thing and mm-hmm. it's sitting, I don't know. 10, 15 feet away. No, no, it doesn't have anything to do with the, the kind of screens really? and the cathode rays and how close you are. That, that's I think right now we got tale. kids who have their smartphone and it's you know five inches from their face. Right. I think more more of an impact there might even be the EMF stuff that we I don't, can't remember. Yeah, we talked about it yeah, during our environment yeah. stuff that now we're awash with EMF and Wi-Fi and, and smart TVs and all of that. I would say that the smartphone, and here's why, more when I say screen is especially the Gen Z, the high school Gen Z and the older millennials, they have a hard time just unconnecting. There's a significant amount of high schoolers right now that actually wake up in the night to check their phone. Yeah. And so think of what that's doing on the day in and day out basis of the rhythm of sleep. And so it's more the relationship you have with screen. Now, again, we have the blue light issue. So there is that. That's been there kind of forever. That the, also with the lights in your house. These kinds of light. Light tells your brain to be awake. So if the last thing you do is even reading a book on your screen. screen now, this is not the e-readers that require a, a light source behind, you know, to shine on it. But if it's got a light within it, it is telling your brain to wake up or to... It's, it's not the go-to-sleep signal. And so, so in general, I would put screens. And so if somebody's struggling, especially with the fall asleep and, and to some degree the stay asleep, I'd say, okay, look, a minimum of one hour of time of off screens before you're trying to go to sleep. Better is two. Which is what we've instilled in our house. So whichever, it doesn't always happen, but the, the concept is what time, every time your bedtime is, and we have you know, older and younger kids, is two hours before is screens are off. Right. Generally, they go to a book in hand, a physical book or you know, a game or talking or whatever. Yes. Um, but man, it, it's still so hard because they'll, still they'll, so hard. they'll have games or I've got one kid who's writing right now and he's writing in Google Docs. So when he's writing his right. you know, book, he's in there. So it is a screen. Well, and, and that's going, and that's already an issue. So all the Gen Zers and our public school system here has Google, whatever. Yeah. And so when they say, "Hey, Dad, can I do some homework?" I'm like, "Yeah, go ahead." But then they go pop open the screen. I'm like, "Well, right. wait a minute." Right. You know, and then of course, what advertisements float by, and what it, it's it's just a new world. And so I think we as adults or parents need to be aware of that. And encourage as much non-screen time in there as possible uh, as well. And, of course, we're trying to have an impact on our local school system. And, 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 and there are other systems that have – because then there was a phase where, um, you know, and I think one school system just down the road here gives their kids an iPad. Like, hey, all your books are on here and all your whatever. There are now colleges mm-hmm. that are saying, hey, not only that, we don't even allow you to use it. You only buy the books. You, you know, so shifting back over – and, and by the way, there is that, that reality that, you know, there's been a long debate. Do people retain information better if they read it on a screen, like a newspaper article on a screen versus in a newspaper? Yeah. And the bottom line is it's different for every person, but on average, yes, you I, remember better. I mean, you're, you're wrecking our entire culture. <laughs> Seriously. Because if I'm saying, okay, I hear you, man, and I'm going to go to bed, let's say 930. I'm going to be 930 and lights out at 10, which, and that generally is mine, bed at 9, 930. But I, I do, I've gotten in the habit of reading, so I usually have a book I want to read, but lights out at 10. If that's the case, 10, 9, you're saying 8 o'clock. 
to be best screens off. I just wrecked most of the, by the time the kids get to bed, you know, TV viewing, watching shows and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, this is a, again, we're back to where I started. This sucks. I mean, this is not a good news thing for anybody. It's based on performance. If you want that better performance the next day, which comes down to even your, you know, hope, joy and lack of depression and whatever, this is what we're talking about. But man, it It, is countercultural. You, you're so right. And so, uh, and you and I were, we know each other well, and I'm not there. I mean, I have also a 9.30. I'd like to be in bed by 9.30 and lights out by 10. You're not there, but you're how much better than two years ago? Uh, yes. And that's the thing I would want to share with people out there is you can't. In fact, if somebody is doing a six and a half hour average, I never say to them, oh my gosh, you need to add two hours to that. It's not possible. But what I would say is, okay, hey, look, for the next three to six months, put it in your mindset to get 20 more minutes. Yeah. Lock in that next number and and be aware. Be becoming more aware of that. Um, it, it is, I, I'm almost speechless at how hard it is for our culture to even kind of entertain the notion. And so what helped me out a lot was to say, okay, look. Monday through Thursday, like Monday through Thursday, if, if I have, then there's a little bit of, even with food, right? Like we're on a mm-hmm. tight food schedule, a tight uh, practice schedule with whatever the kids are doing. Monday, and then we have a little bit of leeway time over here. But at the same time, and this is, you know, you don't splurge. So if you want to know what's best for your sleep cycle, don't sleep in on the weekends. Go to bed at the same time. Get up to sleep time. That, that is best. That, and maybe 200 years ago and 2,000 years ago, that was the norm because people did it with the sun. Yeah. These days, the concept of not sleeping in on the weekends or not, you know, watching Staying a movie later, it's oh, just, yeah. it's, it's taken as the norm. And as you and I have said so often, our current lifestyle, it's, it's not that what we're actually saying is weird or, or abnormal. It's that our current culture is weird and abnormal. Is, so incredibly off kilter. What we do now would have been like alien uh, activity to our grandparents. Yeah. Great grandparents. Yeah. Great grandparents. Okay. I'll, I'll great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and world war two and, and, uh, you know, 1950, yeah, I had Amish grandparents. A little bit different there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so as we're, as we're, uh, bringing the bad news of wrecking your nighttime entertainment with TV, what goes along with that is, is food. And man, I, the one that sticks out to me, is my healthy snack at night was home or, or like air popped popcorn. Get the organic kernels, you know, and get that and make it. And I'd put some spice in there, especially pepper and stuff. And then it was later on to find out, oh, I'm actually intolerant and not a true allergy, but intolerant to corn and, and nightshades, peppers. peppers. <laughs> and so I'm feeding myself uh, a poison and I'm going to bed. And, and as I realized that, then I could track and go, Oh my gosh, I had no idea why I tossed and turned all night or why I woke up. Like I felt like I did when I, when I went to bed, I'm totally, utterly exhausted. And now over the years, as we have watched this for me, it's, it's a late night. Uh, the thing now is still the occasional weekend where I'll do ice cream. Kids will, you know, we'll get ice cream. And if I do that late, so I've got dairy and, and me more so sugar, my sleep will be less. I mean, so I, I know I'm doing it. Sometimes I still do it and go, well, you know, I'll try to sleep in a little bit extra, but I want this, I want my dopamine hit right now and I'll do that. But knowing that the foods that I eat are, so, that we eat are so significant to our quality of sleep. Absolutely. The foods and I'm cl- including in that wine, I would alcohol. Oh yeah. Okay. Alcohol. And even if you don't know it, food and beverage, yeah. it, it is impacting your sleep. So alcohol, for those who can't stay as alcohol, it will help you fall asleep, but it actually hurts the staying asleep. Yeah. So for those who struggle with that 2 to 4 a.m. wake up and then you can't fall back asleep or something like that, I would say, hey, you know, do 30 or even 90 days of no alcohol and really That is the number one reason why I have cut down my alcohol. Well, and me too, especially midweek. It's yeah. like, you know, on the weekend, there's a little bit, like we just said, a little bit more of a splurge or whatever. And even that, you know, I will ask you a tangent. I mean, I, I assume this, but you may burst my bubble on this one too, that even on when I do have alcohol, that I try to stop it earlier. earlier. 
Yes. I assume that's because my yeah. body has, is having time to deal with it before I go to bed. Yeah. Same with food. Okay. You, it, you know, and so like we always say, well, what's the bottom line? Does going to bed with full stomach, uh, equal less efficient sleep or more efficient sleep or something? And the answer is going to be less that, and I debated with that one for such a long time because I thought, well, look at animals, you know, they eat a big meal and what does every animal do after he eats? They just go to sleep. Yeah. And I thought, why, why wouldn't that be any different for humans? And, and here's the difference. Unless you are looking at some domesticated animals, yeah. right? Like, like a lion, he goes and he eats a zebra or whatever, and then they sleep. But remember that when was the last time that lion ate? Yeah. It, you know, so he went through lean times and that's what the humans don't do. It's every night. And so it's not that, you know, and, and if, if you're having this tremendous sleepiness after you eat, I would say there's a signal there that what kind of food are you eating? Like we talked about, you ought to be able to push back from the table and, and go. Well, I don't know if we talked about this on the intake, you know, on food thing, but yeah, you brought that to me that one, if I am having, well, three things, if my farts stink, can we say that on the podcast? <laughs> if that, that that's not normal. Well, heck, yes, it is, doctor. No, it's not. You taught me that. And now I have experienced that with myself and my family. That's not normal. Um, that uh, if I eat and have that after, especially people know it in the afternoon, that, oh my gosh, that post-eating, I just want to take right. a nap, that that's not right. And then the other one was that technically, and this does make sense if you go back to you know ancestry and, and long time ago, that if I eat, I should be able to still go for a run, which totally makes sense, man. You're living out there with the lions. You best be able to get up and, be able to do something. and run. So if you eat yourself to gorge like a lion, he can't get up, man. You're in bad shape. And those three things, man, those made significant changes to how I'm viewing how I eat, how much I eat, what I eat. And, you know, again, now we're talking about sleep, how it impacts. Yeah. Right. So if, so one of the things that now when people begin this, like if they say, okay, I'm hearing you, I'm going to, I'm going to stop eating earlier on. Remember there, there's going to have to be time because your body is behaving now as you have taught it to behave over the last day and last decade. Yeah. So to make some of these changes requires not a decade of change in order for you to feel the impact, but weeks, months sometimes. So if you're going to bed right now and you're, you know, finishing the night with a glass of wine, a beer, Cheetos, uh, ice cream, sugar. Well, heck, uh, even a bowl of broccoli and, and you know, food. Good well, stuff. you stole my thunder. Cause I was say, I, I, I assume it would be better to, well, okay, yeah. to, to swap <laughs> it for the broccoli and whatever. And then, but then also if you're having it and you're ending it at, you know, 1030 and going to bed right after that, if you can come back half an hour, baby steps, as you're talking about, yep. come back. So change the kind and change the what the you know how, how late into the night the, it the is. timing of change the timing, change, change right. while you're eating change how much you're eating you know kind, you know uh, so that you're not overly full yeah. and then changing the timing of it and I think that's the hardest one for for us because you know throughout all of my schooling and training and whatever we eat late yeah. and um, and now we have sports most of the time. Yeah. And then we're, so our dinner time is generally starting seven thirty. And I do in this, I want to say this as a, as a preface, preface to all these shows that you and I are on our own journey, man, on this thing. I, yeah, I view sleep as a have and struggling with a necessary evil. And even as we're talking about food and I, I enjoy my vices. I've tried to make them better, you know? And so now it's, it's nuts. And it's, it started off with the super flavored, spicy, whatever. Okay. Now I'm down to just just salty, at least for the love of God, make them salty, <laughs> natural, but give me, give me a little salt. And oh my gosh, so I can't drink wine late in the night. So seltzer water and, you know, maybe a lemon, <laughs> lemon and, and like, cause I, it's so hard to just do nothing. And that's where I really appreciate you saying it in here, what you do with patients and not giving them such a big goal that they are going to fail. Right. So yeah, you say, man, if you are doing X, Y, Z and you, some people can granted, there are some people who can just make a big shift and, and do it. That is not the norm. And I don't think we should count on that, that we're generally more successful when we do something that's palatable and just back off a little, make that happen and back off a little more. Yeah. So my story on, on the food side is I remember the day that there were decisions about, you know what, I think I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I remember the pain. So for me in college, it was the pain of missing Burger King because that was habitual 
And then later on, it was the, the pain of, of getting unhooked to coffee. And then, you know, all along the way, I remember my partner, Denver, uh, he, this is him in his mid-30s, one of these special forces guys with a heart attack. And the very first thing he did was he was, for years, it was a 12-pack of Pepsi. And he switched it to Gatorade. Well, Gatorade is not healthy. <laughs> it's the same amount of sugar, pretty much. But it was his first step. Okay, but yeah. And so, so wherever the steps are, and one of the things that we expressed here recently, the gratefulness of, in contrast to, gosh, maybe even just five, six, seven years ago, that if I if I'm successful to get in bed by nine thirty, and I, I'm so happy, mm-hmm. I, and it's part of that is a mindset of choice of I choose to want to but that took years of mm-hmm. I ought to choose to want to uh, you know on on you saying that though man there was something I wanted to hit earlier I forgot about is dealing with some of the guilt and we're back to the self-care issue and that quote that I read by David Meltzer of making uh, that's an investment in yourself we have you know experienced it some Marshall I know I have that uh, you know my wife is more of a night owl and I'm hearing all this stuff and I want to go to bed at nine or nine thirty and she is folding laundry. The kids need lunches, the, you know, this stuff needs to happen and having to work through that just in my own guilt. And I'll say that from my wife's standpoint, she didn't make me feel guilty. I'd put that on myself, but it was still, I think that's a very real thing. So those folks are hearing this and they're thinking about, gosh, I have kids and I have older kids who are up later and you know, there may be deep discussions to do. And so it's just addressing the trial of it. Yeah. That there's a, a, the cultural trial and that we're battling, as you talked about, the cultural uh, timetable of the day. School and work happen at these times after after or extracurricular things, whether that's after work, after school, whatever happened, like sports and, and, and whatnot. And these things happen. And man, it is hard to fight this battle in a world that we have a hard time being in control of that structure. Yeah, I, for us too, as you know, my wife is a night owl, and and that's that's when she thrives, and she is able to sleep in a little bit later. She's getting her seven plus average, I think, and so we, I, I do, I struggle with um, disengaging mm-hmm. things that people I want to serve and things I want to do. It, it's. Yeah. And, and also changing her mindset and my mindset that a 9.30 bedtime, that's not going to bed early. Hmm. That's, that's, so that's been my theme of the last wow, few months is I, I can't feel guilty for, quote, unquote, going to bed early when it's on time. Yeah. That's, that's well, not especially a, if you're going to get up at 5. Yeah, right. Yeah. So if, if the day is going along and I want to be, but for other reasons like your book over there, part of this 5 a.m. club or whatever, because, because there's value there, then I need to be part of the, you know, the 9 p.m. club of... Mm-hmm. That's where the mindset has to be, and I, I struggle with that. Um, and so we're, and, and this is one of those things where the tension will never go away. Right. There's never going to be, ah, I've, I've got that one down and done. Uh, one of my teachers in this area, I think it's a good book to mention to people if they want to dig into this, is Matthew Walker and his book, Why We Sleep. So he's a PhD guy, and just the book is really engaging, it's interesting. And, and highlights the what is going on in your body at night when you sleep that is so complex and so mysterious and so really wonderful that it just makes you, it, to me, I thought it was convicting and inspiring. It makes you want to go to bed. Well, and I wanted to give another resource as well, just on the motivation side of it. The best one I have seen recently is The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Uh, the book's almost a phenomenon and as many books as it's sold. I interviewed him recently on the Ziegler show and then brought the book home. And it's just one of the best, uh, yeah, I would say motivators of, of, of getting, of doing the sleep and doing a good morning routine and, and whatnot that we're not going to get into in depth here. So there's a couple of resources, but I do, I did want to hit another one. Another, we talked about screens. We talked about food as far as another primary is just stress is the state of mind is, and, and, I don't know if you and I have talked about it, but I, I, I almost can't hear the word stress without saying this. You have to say the stress response. Stress response. Bad stress. Can we say that? A bad stress response. A bad stress response. Because okay, that, right. that's like saying, you know, I, I hit my 
I hit my kids because I had a, a flat tire and I got all stressed right, out. It was right. not, no, no, no. The response to the flat tires, flat tires are going to happen. Okay. So let's be realistic. It's the, the conflict you had with your spouse or your boss or your employee or a financial or, or yeah, whatever uh, just, that happened during the day or has happened and you are ongoing worrying, anxiety, worry, right. anxiety, whatever. And you go to bed with that how it's going to affect your sleep as opposed to if the same thing happened, but you have a healthy response response. That's so, okay. Key. So, so, so good. So taking that though, if you go to bed and you are worrying, you are have anxiety, you are filled with, with fear, dread. Um, I don't know how depression fits in that. Sure. Hopelessness. Sure. sure. All, all of these kind of things, but most of your hearers out there, uh, if, if they have those clear diagnoses, they're going to say, Oh my gosh, yeah, that's me. But what about before those diagnoses generally set in? Because almost in all of those people, there's already going to have been years of sleep disturbance. And think about it. If I poke you awake all night long, you should become depressed. This is the most common form of torture in the world if you look at, you know, stories of gulags and whatever but, else. But I do like how you started this off. This is the response to, because if you've had somebody who's been happy-go-lucky and at peace and now had a tragedy, had something hard, and they're not dealing with okay. it well. Okay. There's, we have two different, like yeah. somebody died. Yeah. So there is a, there's an acute major event kind of thing. And those generally, if your support network is there, if your habits prior to that were pretty strong, generally people will go through grief and bereavement and heal and, and get back to their patterns. Sometimes we don't. Yeah. So the sometimes we don't category, let me, let me table that one and come back over here. Two, what most people out there are battling with right now is not huge trauma, but the daily micro trauma, right, the true. daily stress of work, the daily true. stress of money. I, money. I didn't get enough done. Conflict within the marriage, Con- conflict within the children, uh, simply going to the grocery store and getting things done. That, or heck, the worry about their health, the state or, of their health. Or I, I was going to say that one for last. Oh, there's, there's, okay. Yeah. That, that this ongoing thing, and so what, and the people won't get hit in the head with, I can't fall asleep at night. What will happen is they'll notice, man, I have a hard time settling. And famous phrases would be, my mind won't shut down. I, I have racing thoughts. I have monkey mind. I'm bouncing around. I just replay that thing over and over and over. And it's like, it's like one of those songs well, that won't leave your head. What I was going to say, we're talking about negative things like traumas and worries, but then I'm also thinking about the, the exciting thing. You're going on vacation in the morning or you're going on a, you're having a performance, you know, and you know, kids, I'm so excited about tomorrow and I can't go to sleep. Okay. That, Yes. But then tomorrow happens, and the next night you go to sleep. Yes, right. True. The excitement That's one true. never stays there. That's true. It's That's the true. day before the vacation, the day before the. Like for me, it was day one in the military, and every, it was like five a.m. showtime, yeah. and you had to press your uniform and all that. I I, I couldn't. I was so worried about oversleeping. Well, but but all of them belie the fact of what is your mental state. Yes. As you're going to bed. And you know what I've been doing? I, you told me about this. I keep meaning to ask you because I forgot the details. But it was it had like a formula, like four, three, two, or four, five. Yeah. And it was the breathing. Yeah. I found myself doing that at night sometimes when my mind is kind of amped a yeah. little bit. Because I've even, you know, you even read a good book and it's it's got an exciting part in it. And I think, ah, that's not where my mind needs to be. What, what was it? That, it four, seven, eight. So this, four, seven, this four, seven, eight. So you... Uh, you breathe in on a count of four, you hold for a count of seven, a slow exhale for a count of eight. You know why I couldn't use that? Huh. It made me awaker because my mind got wrapped around the numbers. Really? I was, I was counting. Okay. On, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm awaker now than when I started. <laughs> okay. Well, either way, it was, and you call it a, um, a meditative, you know, whether you meditate, whether you whatever, what do you do to, I mean, to calm? For me, it was, it was a prayerful meditation and it was breathing to the 23rd Psalm. Mm. And so a breathing in of the Lord is my shepherd and a breathing out. I'm okay. I shall not want. So whatever that is. And, and of course it took weeks and months and months of habitual awareness of that to be becoming the kind of people. And, and I'm kind of proud of the fact that I can have a, an awful day and I'm pretty confident. I'm just going to, I'm going to fall asleep and stay yeah. asleep and, and all that. 
But there have been times when I've seen the edge of insomnia, mm-hmm. and, and it was kind of terrifying for anybody out there with insomnia. It is not a small thing. Because people will tell you, well, just relax. Just, just count sheep. Just go to bed. Just whatever. We deal with it a lot in the clinic. And, and of course, we haven't talked about you know, sleep apnea and central sleep apnea and all of the other physical, the medical ailments that, that I was going to say for last of, of the things that disrupt your sleep. Are we there? Are we there? Should I segue into that? So famously is reflux, you know, people who lay down at night and they'll get the herpy burpy. And, uh, you know, you're looking at me quizzically like, oh, really? People have that. And I say, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, really? Okay. It it is the near normal. And Larry, the cable guy, you know, does the commercial of holding out the, you know, Prilosec or whatever. And, And these pills are now over the counter and people are just like, oh my gosh, yeah, I guess I should take that. And here comes one more pill. Um, or, They've already started taking Tylenol PM or Benadryl or, or these things because they're like, ah, I just have a touch of insomnia, need a little help. Gosh, how many people are taking the sleep meds? And, the, and then the, the, the med, Ambien and yeah, Sonata right. and Lunesta. And, and, and it's not bad, to, but it's a tool. But again, if you don't address the underlying issues, then you will be becoming the kind of person who must take a pill to go to bed and you will chase your tail around those pills forever. That's terrifying for so many people. So on, on the medical side, I think a big one is just undiagnosed sleep apnea. And, and not even the apnea, but the sleep disturbance where it's not a full apnea. Famously, you know, wives will have to think, oh, my gosh, my husband, he stops breathing and he snorts. So anybody out there, if you snort yourself awake ever then that means something is already sleep disturbing going on in there. You and I have talked a lot about, Kevin, do you mouth breathe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that I mouth breathe. I have a hard time breathing through my nose well enough. And then that is what happened has happened in in years uh, as they've gone by. And it's not, for me, It's you think about that, a lot of times it's attributed with weight uh, and obesity, and I'm not. And yet here I am, skinny fit dude, and I'm still having that. And my wife's saying, oh my gosh, honey, I thought you were going to die. You're not going to breathe. Um, and I don't know if this is the perfect thing that the solution that I found, at least for now was a mouth device. It pull, keeps my chin forward. Uh, cause that's what would happen. I'd be on my back, chin fall back, falls back. And I do that. I brought my mouth forward and it has, I, I, it's changed my sleep. It's revolutionized my sleep. Now I'm worried about what it's doing to my teeth and your jaw and my jaw. Yeah. Uh, so, and of course you're saying uh, it's still a medication in a sense, in a sense, you weren't born with a deficiency of a mouthpiece, right? And, and so for many people, it's the chronic nasal congestion. I just can't breathe through my nose well enough for many people. You know, we, we have weird mattresses, weird pillows, weird, whatever else, all of those kind of things are a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to, and this is a toughie, so I want to say this gently and who I really want to hear this are people with young kids. So if you've got young kids and they are mouth breathing at night, that is a red, red flag that something is not right and something can be done. Now, it's not a red flag, meaning there's imminent death or, or ADD or autism or something like that, but they are not sleeping as well as they could, and it's most likely one of two things, either nasal congestion and there's food sensitivities or inhalant allergies or something like that, or it's mechanical, um, basically the position of the the facial bones and and this goes way back to the beginning if 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 because the body is designed to be breastfed and if you don't breastfeed the jaw doesn't do the normal sucking motion it doesn't develop the muscular structure that or the <laughs> where the tongue pushes up yeah. against the teeth to push out and so we have these modern very oblong skinny faces that actually people would call attractive high cheekbones and things like that probably are indicative of the decades now the generational effect of our changing I cultures not, i did not know that at all and then and we've had a and i'm assuming that you know we've had a uh, how many generations of braces i was going to say and then we clamp it down even tighter with braces oh, to align the teeth and make them look pretty and to align them they were screwing up after our- and these days kids when they're you know 8 9 10 get a couple of teeth pulled because there's quote unquote not enough room well why is there not enough room that's why would that ever happen and now it's commonplace 
And that's from the decades of influence of what's going on with our, our whole environment. Mm-hmm. And that, so that, that one is not something that people can go home and say, okay, kids, everybody, you know, push up on the teeth. Your mouth. <laughs> there are dentists out there that are thinking that way and there's some things to do. But if you can catch it when they're young, mm-hmm. oh, what a difference it'll make. And I was one of those kids. And with the mouth breathing, you know, uh, narrow mouth, had to have mouth surgery and get the braces and all that kind of stuff. So my teeth are straight, but still I'm struggling with the mouth breathing. With all this, I mean, this show, the true life show and the premise of helping you with your performance for your life, the things that you want to be able to do. And we have framed, we framed it as a framework. It is a framework. It's not a Dr. James is not here to give the prescription and tell everybody to go out and do X, Y, Z for their sleep. We don't know your problem. We're talking to you and tens of thousands of other people, uh, but to elevate it. And now you need to go figure out your sleep and, and, you know, starting with getting to bed on time and getting up early or whatever, get the amount of sleep, then your quality, looking at your food, looking at your screens, looking at your stress. These are the ingredients that are going to make or break it. But I think the biggest thing is, is yeah, for all of us bringing the weight, the, as you say a lot, the gravity, that this has a lot of gravity for the things that we are looking at. It's a primary culprit and why people are coming into your clinic at True Life Medicine in Colorado and spending a lot of money to try to correct these things that, like you talked about before, you weren't paying the price uh, at some point. Now you are. Yes. So, like, and we come back to the word awareness. The yeah. Awareness of the gravity of this thing. And I love the fact, Kevin, that you and I can come back to not an algorithm, not a, hey, this is Kevin and Randy's one, two, three, you know, solution to have a great life. But it, 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 it's the basics. Sleep, your nutrition, your, your relationship with people. And you and I can... Yeah. We will. We would love to fall on our sword on is sleep important or not? How you, absolutely. But we'll debate forever about mouthpieces and you know the the, the timing of eating and and all these kind of things. But yeah. the gravity of sleep and how God designed us to have that as part of our foundation mm-hmm. is not debatable. And you were, you were looking at a book from a guy yesterday that I interviewed, Dan Harris. I think he's, I think it's ABC is the network. Uh, he's got the book 10% happier and he's talking about meditation. And, but I, I, I think about that. It doesn't seem super motivating. Hey, 10% happier. <laughs> yeah. But what if all of us, what if he's like, Hey, would you like to have 10% more energy or more clarity in your life tomorrow? Would you like your ability to have, you know, some hope and inspiration be 10% more I don't think anybody would say no. And, and coming back to you, just what's a little change that you can make? What's a, can you get off the screen a little earlier? Can you eat a little earlier, uh, a little better? Can you consider awareness of what, what is the state of my mind? Can you calm that? Can you, can you empty that? Can you help that at all? Can, you know, in whatever way now you're going to go have to go find, you know, your, your piece of that. And this is, you know, we're talking about sleep as an aspect of recovery. And I like the idea of, you know, most every night, everybody's going to take their phone, their smartphone and plug it in. So why the next morning it's, it's recharged, but our next show, uh, is going to be on a, a deeper level of this. Now think about your phone that at some point it says, Hey, there's an update and you got to do an update and you got to be plugged in and online and whatever it's going to do an update. You can't do anything with it during that time. Uh, and that gets more into Sabbath and sabbatical and renewal. And what are some of the bigger things we can do on uh, that, that aren't even just the day to day. That's such another, again, talk about gravity that we, has been brought to, to light for me. And I think for you too, and then you brought mm-hmm. it to me on the power of, of that bigger aspect of renewal for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So there we go. I look forward to that. All right, friends, I really hope this episode elevated your perspective on recovery. It's not a necessary evil, a lesser than the performance. It's honestly more important than your performance. It's, a, it's the vehicle itself for everything you do. Thank you, as always, for choosing to tune into the Self-Helpful Podcast. If you got value, I ask you to subscribe, leave a review about this episode, and best of all, share something you learned with someone else. Talk about it. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself. 